Hello everybody and welcome to That's The Issue, the comic book podcast that gets to know you through the issues that you love. Uh, my name is Matt Loon and I'm one of your co-hosts. Joining me as always is Mr. Wes Messer. Wes, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm okay. Outside is sounding congested as hell. You, you don't sound as ill as you as I think you, you feel. So you, you sound up. I, I sound... It, it, it sounds worse than it is. I mean, like, is that's what the annoying part is, like... Y'all, that's why I wasn't here for the last episode because I was really bad. Like, yeah, yeah. Last, the last episode Matt Matt did on his own, which bless him for taking the load on that <laughs> one. Because if I wouldn't have done that, I would have been like, yeah, everything miserable. I definitely, um, I definitely uh, try my best, but it wasn't the same without you. But I mean, you've been ill for a while now, haven't you? You like this is well, at least two uh, a couple. I it took me about a week to get over the worst of it. And now it's just sort of like the lingering effects of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It, and what's happened is, like, when I got sick, it's like suddenly it's like, hey, 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 Wes, you know spring's coming, mm-hmm. right? You know spring's coming, right? Yeah. Guess what? What? Allergies. <laughs> right, yeah. So that's all going to start I, kicking in and... Oh man! Well, I've had um, quite a fun weekend. I went to um, I went down to London, and um, I went to uh, well, me and my wife love country music, so we went to the like a big country music festival that was in the O2 in London. Um, had a great time; it was fantastic. But while we were there in the the O2, which is the old Millennium Dome, like the huge kind of uh, huge building in London, um, they have got a um, exhibition on called uh, DC Superheroes. And um, and I thought um, that it looked good. It looked okay. I've seen the posters for it. Didn't really think anything more of it. And then my wife said, "Actually, you know, we've got a bit of free time. Shall we go to it?" And I was like, "Yeah, that'd be amazing." So um, so we got yeah. tickets to it. Went to it. It was absolutely fantastic. Like I um, I think it's running until September. So I think there's uh, if people are listening in the UK and they they're thinking about it, I definitely recommend it. Um, because it was, I thought it was going to be like the posters and stuff outside seemed to imply that it was all just kind of movie memorabilia, and it's like that's that's fun, that's cool, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I did I did enjoy looking at the movie memorabilia, but that wasn't really what I was there for. Like what I was there for was all the like original artwork, all original pages from old um, from all the old comics going back to like the the late thirties, early forties. From like you had like. Um, wow. Action Comics number seven, like the cover for that was on there, and they had um, they had loads of stuff. They had um, all the classic Superman uh, covers. Um, they had Action Comics. They had Batman. They had uh, dedicated sections. So when you first go in, it's all Superman based. So it's all um, original film cells from the cartoons. There was uh, there was Christopher Reeves' outfits. Wow. There was Henry Cavill's outfits. Um, there was um, 
what else was that? Yeah, there was loads of original art pages um, from, you know, um, Siegel and Schuster all the way through to, um, you know, to, um, uh, you know, all the way, all the way through to like John Byrne and things like that and did like fantastic stuff. And then it goes through to uh, Batman and has like a huge section on Batman. So there's loads of, um, there's like Bernie rights and stuff. There's, um, Oh, God, I can't even think of all of the all of the Mike like Mike Mignola. There was original Mike Mignola art. There was um, Frank Miller stuff. Um, there was only one like in the whole exhibition. Uh, wait, after that, it moved on to like a uh, little bit on Wonder Woman, a little bit on Suicide Squad, um, and like kind of tied into the movies. And like they had like a whole Justice League section at the end, which was cool. Um, there was only one original mm-hmm. Jack Kirby page, which I was a little bit disappointed because I was hoping to see more. But I don't think because he did his own like kind of New Gods thing, it didn't really fit in with the kind of theme they were going for. Yeah. Um, but they had um, one original art page from uh, Forever People. I don't know which issue of Forever People it was, but it was a cover for Forever People. Um, and it was, uh, and it had Superman like riding behind them and everything, and it was uh, it was extremely cool to see to see original Kirby art. But um, but yeah, the whole exhibition was brilliant. I took like tons and tons of pictures. I saw some, um, basically everything I could see. Yeah, I saw some of your pictures, and I thought, oh, that is so cool. I got, I looked at most of them. I didn't see all of them yet, but I thought, oh, that is so cool. Now. Now, yeah. now, this is interesting. Since Gemma is not like, what does she think of it as someone who's not? Because um, I know she's yeah, like she she really enjoyed it definitely. Like she, um, I ended oh, up cool. kind of, um, I don't know if she got more of a kick out of the movie stuff because like she recognised it, and there was um, loads of stuff from the Dark Knight. Um, there was a couple of pages from uh, the Killing Joke, and like that's like one of her kind of favorite comics like one of the stories that she's read like of superhero stuff she's read that the most so to see original kind of brian bolland pages was um was pretty cool for her um and then um and yeah but like the rest of it she was like she was kind of going around taking taking all the pictures so um she was i was like we'll get a picture of this one get a picture of this one and i was like trying to explain to her like the um there was an original concept like sketch of harley quinn from the batman animated series and i said said to her well that's that's the original harley quinn like that's that's like an original kind of design page from like the very first idea of of harley quinn as a character and i said you know and i told her about how she originated in the series and not in the and not in the uh and not comics and she was there And, and i think she got a kick out of like all of those things um one of the things that uh, we both loved like a hell of a lot were the um they had uh concepts uh black and white concept sketches and they were like artwork they were like huge kind of a a2 a1 pieces of art that looked like just pencil mm-hmm. sketches um without any inks or anything and they were done by marty klein and they were concept oh. sketches for the original batman uh, well batman 1989 so like tim burton's batman series oh that is cool I'll have to throw some in the show notes because some of the images that he did, like some of that, they're basically just backdrops. So like pictures of Gotham to like try and set some atmosphere, I suppose. But the architecture, the mood, um, like the like the the tone and the shading is just absolutely superb. I'd have them on the wall, you know. I'd have them as actual pieces of art, and oh, they were they, they were fantastic. 
if I remember correctly, didn't they use some of that? Like they use a lot of that influence on the uh, Batman comics of, of like the late of like the late eighties into the nineties for a while. Like, like those, yeah. those initial backgrounds were like heavy influence into the Batman comics for like into the, into like the late eighties into the nineties as when Batman hit huge, they went, okay, guess what? Buddy? Yeah. You're, we're, you're yeah, going to help so- us redo the, uh, the bat stuff as like, like it basically yeah. make the bat comics match this really cool universe that Tim Burton did on the screen. Like, okay, yep, I I helped design this, so let's let's do the thing. And yeah, so like what the what the um, what the exhibition did was kind of group it into characters and then just kind of collect those characters into different like um, to illustrate ideas or more than actual. Um, like what I'd what I would have loved is to see like the the artworks and the pieces done chronologically, and mm-hmm. so like you can see the origin of the character and see then the influences as they go through. But I think because there was a lot of movie stuff, they couldn't really kind of start with just the comics and then move into the movies because I don't think it would have occupied the space in the way that they wanted it to. Um, so everything was kind of mixed up together, um, but. Um, I definitely, when you're looking at, like, they had the original, they had all the uh, storyboards for the um, the opening scene, uh, the opening credits of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, that was just so like, cool. yeah, they're like the the best opening of all time, and we, you know, could see the uh, the concept, the storyboard sketches for the whole thing laid out in front of you, and it's just really cool, and and you could see from that the influences of those sketches that were take like I imagine influenced by this Marty Klein and kind of the Tim Burton movies. And then as you say, it went into the kind of bled into the comics then and like the comics had more of a kind of uh, influence, like a gothic art deco architecture kind of thing. Um but yeah, it was, it was it was such a good exhibition. And I thought there would be, as I say, I thought there'd be more movie stuff and there was a lot of movie stuff like all the original costumes and um a couple of the vehicles and like uh scaled down models and things like that um but there was also like a hell of a lot of of original art like i saw like original darwin cook pages jim lee pages that would have been cool um yeah just just really like neil adams and and just looking through like the years of of comics one thing that was brilliant as well was when they had the Suicide Squad stuff near the end because uh, I assume they had, like they had that to time with the movie. Yeah. They had like a whole page of um, Amanda Connor uh, Harley Quinn covers, like oh, original okay. sketches of those, and so that was really cool. Like to kind of really bring it into like the modern day. I wasn't expecting to see kind of more modern stuff like that, um, but they were brilliant to have a look at as well. Like all these original uh, Amanda Connor covers, which are just so expressive and so like kind of funny looking at uh, Harley Quinn and all that. So it's, it was really good. It was like brilliant, um, like a brilliant exhibition, really got a kick out of it. Um, and as I say, like if anyone is in that area or in the, uh, in the city of London and debating whether to go and see it, I highly recommend it. Oh, that is neat. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was really good. So um, we've got a, a lot of news to talk about. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that's been uh, happening in comics uh, at the moment. Uh, what's uh, what's kind of caught your eye in uh, in comics news lately? I actually want to get something out of the way here. It's it's kind of comic toy related, okay? But it's kind of I feel like I pretty much figure screw it. Let's get it out of the way now. So they just announced today mm. officially 
that Toys R Us is closing. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think it was like, uh, I think it was either yesterday or today. I know it's like today. It was like they officially set up like Toys R Us is closing. It's closing all its locations today. Yeah. So we're recording like, this on starting, starting Thursday the, uh, night. Well, not closing today, but they're, they're going to start the process of closing them all down because they just told him to, and I, I swear like seeing all the like obituaries of sorts today on the internet mm. have been unreal because it's one of those, holy crap, we can't believe Toys R Us is closing. Because they knew it was coming. The announcement was coming. Mm. They just didn't know when it was going to be coming because they had to wait for the employees to find out. And then they trickled it down to Toys R Us officially closing all the stores. So they, they first announced the UK stores and then they announced the, uh, the American stores just after they announced the UK stores. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, Okay, we're waiting for it. Come because, and it's kind of it's it's a shame because I was just like, wow, I can't believe that. Uh, to- it's like it's it's been coming for a while because Toys R Us mm. has not been in great financial shape for yeah. for a while. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like around my area, the closest Toys R Us was about like in my like the the one that was like really close to me closed about a few years ago. Mm. like more than a few years ago. I can't remember exactly. And then there was the, so the closest one was in Ken was in the uh, Kenwood area about, let me, it's about, that's about 45 minutes, an hour away from me. Right. And I really don't have it. It's like, um, it's like, so it's like crap. That's, and then it's like the other toys for us is, are about the same thing in my area about, 45 minutes an hour, 45 minutes an hour yeah, yeah. to get. So, so, but it's been a while coming because Toys R Us didn't really get a chance to get like a good online marketplace set up. They didn't really, they basically got, it's, it's not just, I mean, Amazon didn't help. No. It's, yeah. It's not like they're isolated in this case. Like there's a lot of stores that are, you know, that are kind of, like classic mainstays of of you know of what we call the high street over here or like you know the, the you know the the shopping malls kind of thing that that's the yeah. you know their mainstays they're like we had over here i think you still got have you still got woolworths or the woolworth the woolworths closed years ago yeah, we had ours like closed we had, a woolworth, we had a woolworths in um the west side of hamilton like back in like right. the 90s yeah but yeah that was like the last time i saw woolworths like anywhere in this it's area been, was it's been a good few years but it was like uh, I, I think from my recollection it was one of the first major shops that i kind of felt the same way i feel about toys r us which you kind of assume that they're always going to be there you kind of always assume oh well there's always going to be woolworths there's always going to be toys r us there's always going to be we had yeah. um a massive kind of um uh what do they call them when there's like superstores i suppose but uh, you know um I don't know what to call them, like a Macy's kind of thing. Like they're like, yeah. um, like there's load. They sell loads of different things. Basically, there is a word for it, but I can't remember. Um, but there's one it's called British Home Stores, like department, department store, store department store. Department that's store. It. It's just um, a very that, that sells everything. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Department store. There was uh, like one called BHS or British Home Stores, and that's like that was a huge part of um, you know British the British High Street, um, and so the idea of that disappearing was kind of um, unthought, uh, unheard of, and then yet that that went under as well um and it is you know it's kind of 
I don't know. It, it is the march of progress, I suppose, because it's you know, the, it's the change. We're changing the way we shop. We're changing the way we 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 buy things. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't know. You know, not obviously, because there's a lot of adults that go into Toys R Us as well. But I, my, you know, oh, my trips. Yes. You know, the 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 trips I take to Toys R Us have significantly decreased over the years, purely because Same you know, I, I you know, I I would buy Lego all the time until you know, I, I'd collect Lego if I earned more money. You know, if I had more more money to burn, I'd I'd buy as much Lego as I could. Um, mm-hmm. And so I used to go into the Toys R Us like loads about five or six years ago, um, but um, but that's kind of declined a bit. And like we we've got a huge um, outlet mall type kind of spread by us we don't call it that but it's the same kind of thing um and there was a toys r us there and that's had like a closing down sale um for a good few weeks now and it's hard to see because they it says on the front you know or store closing and it's like well actually you know we know now that it's it's the whole the whole company that's kind of going under um and it, it is a shame isn't it it's a shame to kind of yeah, on the one hand like i think well that's that is such a shame but then on the other hand i've not I've not been in Toys R Us for ages, so like it doesn't. It same do, here. You know, I'm not saying oh, it doesn't affect me. You know, obviously, the fact that people's jobs are at stake and stuff is is important, and that's not my point. My point is kind of, I I am I am part of the problem. You know, I've I've not shopped at that store uh, in in years, and I things that I would have bought from there, I potentially would have bought online instead, and so you know, and I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. I think a lot of people do similar things. A lot of people are. Uh, and move into online shopping more than anything. I don't know if that's like the main reason for them closing, but it's, you know, it's, there, it, it, there's a lot of really good videos online that talk about that stuff. I mean, like you can probably find like, like there's a, there's a great YouTube channel, uh company man mm. that did a video called rise and fall of Toys R Us. And that it's a really good video. Det- mm. it, it was done before the official closing hit, but a lot of it still stands, and it'll probably, the guy will probably end up having to update it pretty quickly because yeah, yeah. of the official announcement. But it's a really good video talking about it, and also a YouTube channel. Um, there's one channel that did a really good little video on Toys R Us recently, uh, Retail Archaeology, that Ooh, did a nice. really cool video on a uh, Toys R Us that kind of t- like when they just. Just about when, just before they got the the official announcement, like right around when they got the official announcement set up, and and he was talking about it, and I was like, "Damn, that's a good video." So, the company Mary to archaeology. There are two videos, two two really good YouTubers, but they're also really fascinating. They did really two fascinating Toys R Us videos, and mm. but yeah, man. I mean, like I, said, I used to go to Toys R Us. Um, personal story here, I. When I was a kid, I used to go to the dentist. Uh, there was a dentist off. My dentist was right near where Toys R Us was in Tri County. So, right, yeah. And so, when I ever went to the dentist, and it'd be like, "Mom, can we stop by Toys R Us so I can get a?" So they, <laughs> my mom would usually get me a toy after yeah, every dentist. Yeah. I usually get a toy. Yes, kids. You've been a good I know boy. you can say it now. Wes is, was a, was spoiled. You can say <laughs> it. It's okay, but um, no. But yeah, I, I used to go, it usually was in a lot of times usually an X-Men toy. And awesome. Awesome. I, so it was like, I have, that's how I got like a Wolverine toy or cause I like the Wolverine toy. I had like a bunch of those different X-Men toys. Cause like when I was just, cause it was just around, I was just young enough 
like around when the for the X Men toys hits, it was either an X Men toy or a GI Joe. I would get because mm-hmm. I I loved both lines. So, but yeah, I usually would buy mm-hmm. one of those. So yeah, that Toys R Us I hung out there quite a bit back in the day, like the video game section or the toy section or what like or the action or like the main action figure section or or the video game section. I would try out the different games that have set up stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. it became I mean, like part of it's it's a part of your childhood, isn't it? Really? Oh, Lord, yeah. I mean, and I think, I, I like that and uh, it was that store, and there was also another store that closed down, like just just a little bit around Toys R like like uh, when Toys R Us was starting to get a little bit of a rot, like getting was rising further and further. There's another store. Um, more than a few will probably be like, "What the heck is this one?" But there's a store cut chain called Children's Palace. I used to hang out that hang out at all the time as a kid, and what was funny is re- when we were talking about Toys R Us, I, I talked to my mom about Toys R Us clothes, and she said, you know what? I never, I always thought Toys R Us was way too big, but I love Children's Palace because it was just the right size, and I yeah. and it didn't feel so chaotic. And But I used to hang, because like, KB Toys was the overpriced toy toy store in the mall, but still it was a pretty popular toy, toy chain, and they closed down because they got bought up by Big Lots. And then Big Lots basically shut them down because they weren't having Fourth Abbey open. But Children's Palace was that one has fond memories for me too. I don't remember it as well as Toys R Us, but I do remember bits and pieces of Children's Palace because eventually the Children's Palace that closed down eventually became a um, a Michaels uh, art store. So yeah. that was really weird for me to get used to. But Children's Palace is where I bought some of my early GI Joe toys and I and all sorts of stuff like my. Like it would be so, yeah. That was so pretty much Toys R Us is like basically between. So I've seen like Children's Palace close down in my lifetime. I've seen KB Toys shut down. I've seen multitudes of different, and now I got to see Toys R Us shut down in in my lifetime. And it's kind of weird to see all these like different brands shut down one after another. I mean, if you look at like bookstores, yeah. like Borders shutting down and Walden well, books shutting down. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like it kind of, again, I don't really know. I have to look, check out those YouTube videos because I don't know the ins and outs of exactly why Toys R Us are closing down. But I mean, if it, it follows a trend of, of kind of, um, of brick and mortar stores that are, um, that are actually closing down and it, and it kind of like, brings me on to like one of the other kind of pieces of news that I wanted to talk to you about really like the the huge Marvel Comicsology sale that was on that um, wow it's absolutely huge and I'm interested in kind of your thoughts about it as well because to me like there's there's been there's been back and forth really for for a good few years about how how much digital affects like local comic book stores you know and and the last year or two last 18 months feels as though we've seen a lot more comic book stores closing down um there have been there have been a lot of kind of reports saying that yes the the dip in marvel and you know um rise of dc has has greatly affected um like kind of comic book sales for better or worse and um and that does obviously have a knock-on effect to stores as well and so we you know we see a lot of stores closing down um, but you know that they never really talk about how much digital. Uh, what I've heard of, of a few people, like um, uh, I can't remember the, the guy's name now, but a few kind of comic book owners that do podcasts and things, um, they say, "Oh, digital, you know, yeah, it doesn't doesn't really affect us either way. You know, it, it is what it is." Um, and the the actual kind of the the big things that bother them more are the the dip in quality. So, like when Marvel plummets, everyone else plummets. 
Um, but when Marvel, re- you know, their recent Comicsology sale, which I think is has died down by now it, when we're yeah, recording, they, so by the time it goes, just, um, like the, the 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 show goes up, it will it will be a lot. Uh, it will be finished, won't it? Really? It because it's interesting because yeah. they because I was checking on it today to see because I was like thinking, oh, they still had the. Cause I was only thinking like maybe I might get something else just, and then it seems like they, they cut back most of the other stuff on sale and they basically only have like the most recent guardians of the galaxy trade and like a mm-hmm. few of the more recent trades and like secret empire, like just some more, the recent collections and stuff like that. So they cut back the sale and like yeah. this, they had a few days of the crazy sale. And then now, now that like Thursdays hit, it's like, okay, shoo- Let's cut the sale back a little yeah, yeah. further because yeah. I think we just got our because the reason why Marvel does these sales, if you're not if you're not familiar with it, the reason why Marvel does this sale is just when it's about the near the end of a quarter. They usually do yeah. the yeah. crazy sale. So they can goose up their numbers and say, yeah. Hey stockholders, look, look what we did. Yeah. Secret Empire so sold like really well. numbers <laughs> and, and it works really well because everyone goes, wait. We can get the vision. We can get the entire vision director's cut for a dollar. And if you have Comixology Unlimited, it was 84 cents. Hmm. Which is is insane. You know, and that's an insane price. And it's one of those where I don't know. I don't don't know how much that would like. It, that's got to affect. Surely, that's got to affect sales on 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 some level in a in a in a comic book store. Um, but my, but then again, maybe not because you know, speaking for myself, like I haven't got a comic book store anywhere really near me, and the only comic book stores I've got like uh, are franchise ones. So you know, it's not. Yeah. I, I'm not. You know, it's still obviously I'm not buying stuff from a comic book store. But at the same time, over here, like in the UK, we're they we're kind of dominated by a franchise called Forbidden Planet, um, which yeah. I, think, I think there's one in New York as well. Um, but um, I was reading uh, Dan Guirino's book, Comic Shop, um, recently, mm-hmm. um, and which is a great book. Definitely recommend it if um, if you if you want to read it. Um, but he talked about the fact that it's one of the one of the industries, one of the only industries in kind of. Um, like in the kind of the the ecosystem of of, uh, of American American comic American industries that doesn't have um, doesn't have like a, a national franchise. It's not like it's yeah. not like local comic book shop owners that own two or three or four stores in like a tricky area, but they don't have um, they don't have a national franchise. Whereas over here we do. We've got Forbidden Planet, and um, the local comic book shop that I go to quite a bit in Birmingham, I'm fairly certain is owned by Forbidden Planet as well. So. The two nearest comic shops, three nearest comic shops to me, um, in three near comic shops in two cities is Forbidden Planet, basically. So even though like I could go and buy them from the local store, it's not directly affecting um, the local the local comic shop owner. You know, it's it's feeding the franchise, which again, you know, is isn't yeah. isn't isn't what it is. You know, so um, you know the idea of of would I personally have gone out and bought the Vision hardcover? If I wanted to buy the deluxe edition of, of Vision, the, my three options then would be to buy it digitally through this Comixology sale. But I think it was 75 pence over here uh, for everything, which is insane. Um, or I could buy it yeah. from the comic book shop um, and pay probably 29 99 uh, for it, maybe £35 for it. 
Um, or I could buy it off Amazon for mm -hmm. 15, 16, 99, maybe, maybe 20, 20 pound, 25 pound. Um, me personally, my options would be, I'd probably do it on Amazon first. And then, and then if I saw it on sale, like I did on Comixology, I'd get it there, which I did mm -hmm. do. Um, or, you know, as, as a last, last resort, I'd go to the comic shop. And so it kind of makes me think, is this why it's not affecting, is this why comic shops say that digital isn't affecting them so much? Because the kind of person that would buy it digitally Correct. would be more inclined it's, to buy it on Amazon anyway. It's a very um, good question. I mean, you know, I don't know. They do, like the people who were who are already going to buy digital, they're buying digital, like on the regular basis. And because like in the US, yeah. we really... There's like, like I said, you, there's a lot of people who there's people in like certain areas that own like two, maybe three comic shops in a relatively close proximity to one another. So it's like one person will own one. Like in our area, we have one that's owned, that's owned by um, the same person in different in different areas. So it's like you have so it's like one person owns like like there's a store Queen City Comics are owned there. There's one in Fairfield and there's another one in the Kenwood area. And then there was another chain, Mavericks Comics. There's one in like Dayton. There's one in Finneytown. There's like, like about two, I think three different Mavericks in the area. I'm, I'm not 100. percent I'm probably wrong on a couple things, but I know there's at least like two or three. There's at least, yeah. in the, I know there's at least two. And then there's a up, up and way. There's two stores. There's one in Cheviot and one in Blue Ash. And then, so, so a lot, and but then a lot of the others, but then there's like, and then like, but most of the other stores, they're all usually like one store, one store, one store, one store, one store, one store, rather than two, three different stores, because most stores cannot manage to pull off the, like the revenue to be able to go, okay, we can have two stores open. Okay. We can do three oh, stores, yeah, but most stores can pretty much do like two store like one store that's it that's all i can handle but most stores like like in this area now on another another thing it's like um there's like an arcade there's like an arcade uh place called arcade legacy and i just not it's like then they sell they some they sell like used comics and they sell oh, like cool. video game stuff like that but oh, cool. the interesting thing is that guy has let's see here he has Arcade Legacy in Cincinnati Mills, the our, our local Dead Mall. Um, we have he has a he has Arcade Legacy Bar Edition, which is an arcade for the bar. Amazing. And then he has another Arcade Legacy he just opened up in Newport. So yeah, so you've got like he has three different yeah. stores. So and that's a and that's not something you can pull off very often around well, this I mean, neck of the woods. Want... But if you can pull yeah. it off, that means. You're doing pretty dang well and your market and you know your market because you have to kind of play it around when you know like the certain area too, because it's like like in um like in my area, like like in like pretty much like the weird thing about like my neck of the woods is yeah. we have a lot of comic shops. Sounds it, yeah. Like we have the Fairfield of Queen City, we have Feature Grade in Hamilton, we have in Mason, Mason Westchester, you have Nostalgia Inc. And then you have like, like the Queen City comics in Kenwood. You have the Mavericks in Finneytown. So, within and they're all relatively close to one another. And up and ways in Blue Ash. 
hearing about all the different um you know the 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 troubles and like obviously the direct market and how that kind of you know can stifle um can stifle the growth of a, of a comic book store the the, the running a comic book store kind of makes you feel like that that um that sentiment about bees like they say that bees shouldn't be able to lift themselves off the ground they shouldn't be able to fly and yet they can and it's like comic shops shouldn't looking at the business model comic shops shouldn't be able to sustain themselves and yet somehow they do and obviously a lot of them don't you know which is they're on the knife edge basically aren't they they're on they're so close to the to the edge of like so close to falling off um that any big swing you know in 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 like quality or uh, production like marvel's been doing then you know it has a has a, a major knock-on effect and that's why you see a lot of um comic shops like they do a lot of they of like uh diversifying their selection so like they'll have mm. and like they'll have like different things like like uh, nostalgia inc they have gaming so they have like a uh, board games and card games that make up a good chunk of their business too. So yeah, yeah. they have comics are having a, a lackluster period. Well, they got the games and the games do usually pretty well for themselves. And then you have, so they usually have a good balance there. And then you got like Funko pops and all that. And funk and so like, they do well, fun, they do well with toys and Funko pops, but games are sort of like, they do really well with um, like board games and stuff like that. Cause board games is a pretty decent growth market. And yeah, yeah. Then and like up, up and away now, now up, up and away, like the blue ash one, which we call the fancy comic shop because it's really fancy and you feel like you need to get like a, a suit and tie because it was originally like a uh, Dree's home location that people could go in and like see like all like the model home stuff and so forth. Yeah. So, so pretty much just like they have like a little kids area with like Legos and funk, all, all sorts of them. They have a Funko area. They have a very decent sized bookstore area. They have a very decent sized like backstock area of like different like graphic novels, stuff like that. And then they have tons of different memorabilia, statues, and so their selection's pretty diversified. Mm. And I think that's the as only, what they want to yeah, do. Yeah, that's the only real way to go. And like the the future of you know we've said it before on this show, and I you know I think plenty of plenty of smarter people have said it uh, better than I have, but. You know, the future of the industry, the comics industry is in bookstores and is in um, is in like kind of young adult um, work and is in basically, you know, the summary is to diversify the diversify your content. And so I think, you know, which is why DC is bringing out DC Inc. and DC Zoom, um, you know, and Marvel have kind of promised that they're going to be doing something similar where they've got some. what well, I think I can't remember the name of it now, but they've got like a superhero team that's coming out with like Squirrel Girl and uh, Marvel. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Marvel Rising, I think. Was. Yeah, Marvel Rising. Uh, that's familiar. Marvel. Yeah, let me Yeah, Marvel Rising Secret Warriors. That's it. And so yeah, so like both of the big, the big two are obviously doing, doing like doing diversifying their their output, and I think that's exactly how comic stores that thrive. Um, are you know are doing so well is because they diversify their lines as well like you have ones with like bars in them you have ones with like the look like libraries that have huge kind of all ages sections they have themed evenings they have you know a, a friendly welcoming staff that kind of issue the old you know um simpsons comic book guy kind of android dungeon feel of going into a comic shop and feeling kind of overwhelmed and alienated 
Um, and I, I mean, I, I genuinely don't think there's many like that anymore. But at the same time, they, they are out there, and I think they are that, out there. Um, they they are they, part of a dying breed, and you know, they they are they are a dying breed, but they do still exist. They still yeah. have their audiences. But when and this sounds awful, but as those customers either leave comics or and y'all please don't say I'm dark for saying this, but as the as like the mm-hmm. older audience kind of fades out either because because eventually it's like the the audience either usually the like an older audience they usually just kind of fade out they stay eventually kind of go eh, like like i have people who basically decide yep like i've had people who just left comics it's like suddenly one day like they're, they're gone it's like what happens like they they decided they're mm-hmm. done like they said they're done because they have no nothing that's really kept in their eye but the the really the big future of comics is the fact that to embrace yeah, yeah to be to not be that Simpsons comic guy because if your store is not welcoming because I like I said I I've told the story on Twitter before like when like when you get into and oh lord this is going to be like me getting yelled at for being political here at some point but screw it I'm, I don't really <laughs> give a crap but because I've been sick and I'm kind of grouchy anyway so but but uh when I read like the stuff like say like mm. like like people like that the diversity in comics dude and and his ilk and they and those people are getting mad about Captain and Captain Marvel's haircut and the different and like haircuts of these people of like the like and like stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. I go, This is the stuff I heard in comics shops years ago that's been brought to new life and cause they're cause I feel like cause the thing is the reason why they're getting so pissed off and the reason why some of these cats out there are getting so mad is they know yeah, that's exactly it that at the end of all this yeah. they're losing like they they use that as their main arguing point as well they always talk about oh we want everything you know I, i've i've dived into that occasionally and like um you know try yeah, to kind of, I, I do try to I see you know just see what it is they talk about and um, and a lot of it is talking about they're, they're saying oh what well, we're not racist we're not sexist we're not homophobic yeah, you we are. just we just want everything to be equal you know and and basically they're talking about the 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 white man being marginalised which you know is is insane and it's stupid but like they're basically they're talk, they're arguing their own point aren't they they're basically saying they're basically saying oh well you know we we don't want to be marginalised what what about us and it's just like you dude you, you've you've had that for 70 years in this industry and hundreds of years across the across the globe and it's just like that's it, that's ridiculous it's it's small-minded it's stupid it's you know you talk you talk about wanting representation you're talking about wanting your voice to be heard and it's just like well yeah but you're doing that by stifling everyone else's voices um and they that the reason they the reason they're kicking off is because they are losing you know because the 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 content is diversifying because you know shock horror thor is a woman shock horror captain america's black you know shock horror, there's there's a young muslim um ms marvel and it's just you know this forget the fact that those are some of the best comics that have been produced and some of the best new characters that have come out of of the industry and have come out of you know this this idea that not we need token characters not that we need to have token diversity but actually there's people out there with different cultures different lifestyles different voices 
And they, you know, we all deserve to have stories that we can relate to and we can teach to our kids and we can pass along. And and it's just that's that is where everything's going. You know, whether whether diversity in comics likes it or not, whether they get pissed off that we call them racist homophobes um, or not, you know, regardless of where everything's where, where I think it should be, it's kicking and screaming is not going to change it. You know, it, it, that's that's where it's going, and that's kind of that's where comic shops need to go as well. I think I think comic shops need to open up. They need to engage with a younger audience. Exactly. They need to engage with a more mainstream audience. You can't be pissed off that someone comes into the comic shop having watched Spider-Man: Homecoming or having watched Black Panther and not knowing a thing about it. And some of the best comic shops are the reason they're pissed off with Marvel or DC or whoever is because. Someone goes out there, watches Black Panther. They come into the comic shop going, I want that. I want to read about that. And they don't have anything to give them. You know, I mean, Black Panther's a bad example because they've got like the Tanahisi Coates exactly. comics and the excellent Christopher Priest uh, volumes. But you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. That there are people that, because like a lot of comic shops, like that's something they kind of like is, like that's the reason why Marvel's doing the whole fresh start thing is because they want to have, they, they want their line to reflect kind of like more of mm. the movie verse. But the thing is, and the thing is they're still keep us, but the thing is they aren't, but they still are having like, they got Miss Marvel. Yeah. Miss Marvel ain't going anywhere. Captain Marvel is Carol Danvers. Yeah. That ain't going anywhere. I mean, they got, mm. they, they like Miss Marvel. They know the audiences dig audience yeah. digs Miss Marvel. And then like moon girl, devil dinosaur, that the ad isn't going anywhere because they guess where they, it does well, the book market. Scholastic loves Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Scholastic yeah, loves Scholastic. the Scholastic yeah. market loves uh, Squirrel Girl. So, yeah. so when everyone ever goes into these, yeah, and so so that's why like the kids are the future, the young adult market is the future. I mean, because. Like when, like you, you linked him to the story earlier, and I, I read about it, like that uh, Mags Big Sags and um, and um. Oh yeah, Jensen Ong. Jensen are doing a uh, a line of books for what company? What what company was that? Uh, Harper Collins. And, and yeah, there's like, a Harper Collins imprint that whoa. they're doing um, a series like Harper uh, Collins. Odger Odger comics or Odger Odger graphic novels. Yeah, I mean, uh, a teen horror mysteries. I mean, Harper Collins. That's a big name, kids. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty yeah. good big name for publishing. And that and that is something that will bring people to – and that's something that will go, oh, cool. That's like a way to diversify your audience a little bit further. I mean DC with their, yeah. with their uh, DC Inc. and DC Zoom lines. DC knows their future right now. They're, they're building. They've got their building blocks set up. As we speak, I mean, every, all the companies are doing bits and pieces of stuff to kind of build a little bit further. I mean, I mean, a couple. It's kind of interesting. It's like the uh, upcoming, uh, like what's kind of what's really fast. What really fascinated me today is at like when I saw like the announcement for uh, Scott Snyder's uh, jail. Like, uh, a Justice League run is coming up, and yeah, yeah, he's putting John Stewart. And Hawk Girl onto the team. I mean, and it's almost like a quasi 
Justice League Unlimited. Yes, yeah, that's like, what I thought. Yeah, and that's like I think um, a few other people have uh, kind of picked up on that idea of the fact that the the team he's put together. Um, well, firstly, like behind the scenes and and on the page, it, the, the team he's putting together is interesting because uh, Jim Chung, who has been with Marvel for. 20 odd years um or he hasn't done anything for dc in like over 20 years amazing artist yeah really brilliant artist did uh young uh young avengers and and all those things and he's done just recently marvel 2 and 1 marvel 2 and 1 he was doing as well which he's supposed to be doing one more issue in may oh okay so well so he's got one more issue doing one and then if he's been if he's and it looks like from what they're saying is he's going to be doing the interiors as well as the covers with the, and and I'm just going, holy yeah. crap! What's interesting is the fact that he did the big splash reveal photo or f- photo, um, which is kind of wild. <laughs> the, the big splash picture it. for Marvel's fresh start, and so like, and he's like, wait, what happened? Yeah, his art was the the front and center of fresh start, and there's no there's nothing on here that says he's going exclusive to DC. So you know, there's there's no reason to suggest that he will be stopping doing any kind of um marvel stuff um but the fact that he's doing this this series with um and again it's just i think from from what's actually been confirmed i don't think it's been confirmed he's doing interiors i think he's he's been confirmed to be part of it so whether he's actually doing covers or or doing interiors i don't think i don't know whether know that yet but um but like scott snyder justice league is um working at it with uh who else is is on that book i mean it's like um, they, they said um let's let's see um because they're saying like something like um uh, jorge jorge jimenez is uh is working on a uh, justice league too they're yeah. saying he's supposed to be as just snyder's co-writer but i almost think they're probably going okay I, awesome. but probably wow. what they're going to do if jim chung ends up doing like doing like um like um interior pages they're probably gonna do like the like the rotate thing because jim chung can only do a month can only do so much of a monthly haul yeah a lot of his a lot of the books that he's done do get kind of pushed back if he's on like i mean avengers children's crusade took years didn't it i it's like when uh they just announced like uh robert venditti's doing uh hawkman with brian hitch and and the first thing i said was yeah. first thing i'm thinking is Hitch is probably doing about three four months Unless he's got like some, he got some serious lead time, and and so, mm, but Chung, yeah. this is interesting. I mean, this just like really everyone keeps us an eye on it because this is interesting. I mean, yeah. So like the the lineup is good. It's got uh, John Stewart, as you say, which is like John Stewart and Hawk Girl, uh, Cyborg, Martian Manhunter. It do, it is, does feel like a very Justice League Unlimited kind of kind of. Uh, team really i mean it's a good i mean if you're ever going to see a team it's like you got i mean it's like wow it's like it's like a quasi it's like a semi just like unlimited style team i mean it's one of those wow they're i mean it's and so that's gonna be interesting to see that people who were a certain group of people who were like inspired by just like unlimited at one point are going to be like wait john stewart's back on the justice league again that's cool Martian Manhunter, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, Hot Girl, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick it up. I'm definitely going to read it. I've not read a Justice League book in a while. Like, apparently, the Christopher Priest stuff is good. 
um, which is the current Justice League run, yeah. which I think is leading into No Justice, which is then going to lead into Snyder's Justice League. It's going to um, be wild. But yeah, it's going to be great. And then they've got uh, Gal Simone is going to be doing um, a new Plastic Man Which series. I think is really um, cool. I mean, with uh, Adrian with uh, yeah. Adriana Mello, who worked with her on Birds of Prey. Right, yeah. And she also worked with her on Rose and Thorn. By, oh, okay, yeah. And by the way, anyone who's never read Rose and Thorn, go hunt that down. That's a really good little uh, miniseries. Yeah, I think it's, so, I yeah. think it's, I think it's still in print. So I think I, I, I'm not sure if it's in print, but it shouldn't be too hard to find. But you should probably mm-hmm. find single issues pretty easily of it. But either way, it's really good. Go hunt that down. But, um, but yeah, Plastic Man. What have you been thinking? Uh, have you been reading the Terrifics? I have me. I have the first issue. I have just not see. Matt, when, when I got sick, it kind of threw me off pretty hard. So, so really? I, so it's sort of like, like everything I was like going, oh boy, I got, and then it's like, eh, I got sick. And I'm, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause right now it's sort of like, like, like it's kind of like the psyche part about like, so pretty much it's like, like the psyche part about it is like now I'm sort of like, I'm catching up with a lot of stuff and I'm just going, oh God, I got mm-hmm. so thrown off. This is terrible. Cause, cause it's like, like when you're sick for any period of time it's just like yeah. you should read like um you should read terrifics it's uh it is really good oh i i have it it's just i it's like it's like i just went man i cannot because i but i think it was like but it's interesting to me what they're doing that dc is doing like the plastic man miniseries because if someone asked me someone said on twitter it's like wait gail simone's doing domino for marvel and now she's doing another thing for dc and yeah, it's like yeah. well yeah. marvel well Gail Simone is not under an exclusive anywhere. No. So yeah, exactly, yeah. they can go do, do whatever, whatever the heck she wants. So if she wants to do an ongoing at Marvel and a little mini at DC, mm-hmm. she can do it. She's so, she's not tied down anywhere. I mean, Marvel should you know really have locked her down to be honest, because I think they could they could do with as much talent as they can get, and Gail Simone's brilliant. So they I mean, really should. They got Zdarsky. They, they got Zadarsky. Yeah, they got Zadarsky. That as was an smart. Whoever, whoever at Marvel thought, yeah, let's get Zadarsky to a to a nice little a contract. I'm like, good for you because yeah, they've Marvel right now. Marvel's in a very interesting period right now. What I call, I guess I'd call it their rebuilding period. Yeah, that because that, that feels right. Yeah, Legacy Marvel Legacy was kind of like um was kind of a uh, poor Marvel legacy that it, yeah. it kind of got, it went off the rails for them in such a way that no one really benefited, which was a shame. But mm. then you had, but then what was kind of cool is then you had like Marvel legacy and it, but Marvel fresh start. I mean, what they're doing, like the Avengers doing a by doing one Avengers book and having it be bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. That's a really, that works really well. And then you have, yeah. And and then you have like all these other books you have coming out, but like so, but it's like interesting. It's like a lot of people are really disappointed, like by like X twenty three, and we're like, and they're kind of like, so she's not going to be Wolverine anymore. Yeah. I, y'all. I mean, we knew that really. I didn't expect her to be Wolverine anymore. Yeah. Once once Logan came back, it was sort of like, well, when's he taking the Wolverine title back? Because it's only a matter of time before. We have another new Wolverine series. Yeah. Well, when you've even got like when the X twenty three title got announced. Yeah. 
when you've got like Miles Morales saying he's going to change his name as well, it's a bit like right. Well, if he if even he can't keep his Spider Man title, then no one's going to be able to keep their kind of their their titles if there's another version of that hero running around as well. Which you know it doesn't it doesn't bode well for other characters, does it? Really? Yeah. At least they're keeping now that they're keeping the general flow of Wolver of all new Wolverine and all that. But it's like, yeah, there's some people who are pretty disappointed i I saw some disappointing reactions on my feed but i'm like i'm like i feel you guys i feel you all i mean i yeah here's it's interesting to me it's i always feel like it's one of the things where i just go yeah i i feel you guys when you guys are disappointed about certain characters or certain things not being done as much with but it's like and i always say just have faith yeah there's always a good chance you'll see it back. Well, I mean, always. Who's going to be writing that, the new X twenty three comic? It's uh, is it? Uh, Marie, uh, Mariko. I think it was. Mar- I, I actually uh, remember his Mariko Tamaki. Yeah, I, like, I almost. I, I couldn't remember her last name. I just, but that's. I mean, Mariko Tamaki. Yeah, I mean, a solid that, writer. She's great. Yeah, solid absolutely writer. fantastic. She's and really she did, um, like, she did She Hulk, uh, or re- most recently, she's done She Hulk. She's done a, a ton of other stuff as well. Um, so I mean, the characters in safe hands. Like the same artist is is coming across. The same kind of supporting characters are going to be there. And like, there's an argument to say that yes, you know, having giving her the title of the all new Wolverine gave a major boost to her character. But at the same time, you know, do we want? do we want to have the characters taking on older personas or do we want them to create, forge their own path and make their own brand new character? So, you know, you could have either really, but, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, about this kind of rebuilding period for Marvel, I think that's definitely what they're going through at the moment. I feel like there's, there's a shuffling of the deck that's happening and it, it's a shame because what I see like content wise from Marvel I feel like with DC, DC Comics are producing DC producing great comics, and they're doing it in a way that is accessible. It's engaging. It's you know, it's it's a positive thing for the audience, you know, to to engage with like the whole, you know, uh, rebirth period and and the events that they're doing, and and even Doomsday Clock. You know, I don't I don't like it. It doesn't it doesn't sit well with me. But I mean, it's selling. It, it's selling really well. They're doing what they're doing, and they're doing it well. You know, whereas when Marvel, you know, DC rolled the dice with Doomsday Clock, and yeah, it's it's not. I don't like it, and a lot of people don't. But at the same time, it's selling like hotcakes. It is. Whereas mm-hmm. when Marvel roll the dice, they get something like Secret Empire, which just pisses everyone off. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, so. I, yeah, so with like with the with this rebuilding phase, like it's a it's a shame because DC are do feeling like they're bringing out good comics and doing everything right. Whereas I think Marvel are still producing good comics, but it's despite everything else that's going on around them. You know, because every time I sit down, like last, I think last week Marvel had like a series of just really good comics. Loving Avengers, Marvel Two in One, which came out this last week is always great unbeatable squirrel girls brilliant moon girl devil dinosaurs great um what else is there black panther uh i need to catch up on but that's been really good um i'm enjoying captain america it, it, you know it is it is good for what it is you know um although i'm looking forward to where it's going um and just like there's a lot of really good really strong um well uh, spectacular spider-man so anything that chip Zdarsky's doing at the moment for marvel is brilliant yeah. Um, and 
you know, there's a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of really good Marvel comics that are out there. But I think the opinion of Marvel is so low at the moment that I think a lot of people just dismiss the whole company and go, well, okay, they'll have a fresh start, you know, or the the next big reboot will will happen and that will pick things up. And it's like the actual comics themselves, I don't feel as though the comics themselves need that. It's just that the actual company needs something, you know, company needs a kind of a rebranding in a way. Um, and, and it's like interesting because I feel the, the worst part about Marvel, what they're dealing with is a situation that like, say, like the new editor-in-chief sees Cebulewski. And it's like, oh, cool. Cebulewski is a really solid. I'm probably butchering his last name, but... I think I'll always say Cebulski, but I mean... Cebulski, okay, Cebulski, 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 excuse me. Um, C.B. Cebulski is... He's a, he seemed like a really nice guy. He seemed like a solid dude. And he's really good with creators. I mean, he got... I mean, there's a lot of people that... You can see, like, okay, he's bringing some people back he have not seen in a while at Marvel. But then you deal with the whole... Like it's really funny. When it's really terrible when people talk about about Stevie and it's like, oh, you meet Akira Yoshida, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, that's gonna that's gonna haunt him for a bit. I mean, it's I mean, yeah. is it? It's one of things where it's like, oh, oh, that's, that's yeah, and that came on the back of a of a lot of of a series of kind of bad news days sort of like, for Marvel, didn't it? Really, you know, it was, it was like. It was or it was like it was on a pile bad it was like okay this is kind of rough oh oh a cb cb sobolski soon to be new editor-in-chief of marvel comics as got confirmed just revealed that his pen name was akira yoshida and it was like, sort of like an open secret but i had no idea and i was just like oh you gotta be kidding me yeah exactly. oh, like, i remember when they did the like i said I found it was really funny when they announced this back in the day. And it's like, he's this hot, Akira Yoshida is this hot new writer from Japan that worked on da 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 And it concocted this like crazy bio. And then you go, oh, 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 shit. Uh-oh. And the thing about comic fans is for some people, it's like, like for some people it was like, okay, Okay, yeah, he used a pen name. Okay, but then you have people who are legit and justifiably pretty upset that he did this, that he did that for a period of time. And it's like, yeah, it's it's very thorny. I mean, that's the rough part. What Marvel's deal. So now, yes, eventually this will be one of those things that you can look up online. It'll fade. No one will really dive into it that much, but. It's going to be out there. I mean, yeah. people, the inter- like the, they say a rule of the internet never forgets. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's like, be, when, uh, it's going to be around forever, isn't it? Really? It's going it, to, it's like, Nick Spencer, it's like Nick Spencer getting Spider-Man. Yeah. Nick Spencer just got Spider-Man and you look at his Twitter and he, del- and, and he deleted all his tweets except for like, like a put like a quote mm-hmm. and like not much else. And, and you're like, Oh yeah, Nick Spencer, and then and then you hear about the Spider Man announcement. Oh, because it was funny. Someone was talking like, "How many tweets did he delete? Delete? Um, pretty much all of them. He deleted all of his tweets except mm-hmm. for like a quote, and that was it." And I was like, "Oh, he 
he just dialed, he has deleted his entire thing just, and now he's keep, and I, th- I still think he's keeping a relatively low profile online. I think that's exactly after the it. secret. Yeah. I think he's which is smart for him. just staying low and, and yeah, you're right. He's smart because if he's going to be taking over the new Spider-Man book, you know, they, that's, that's basically their flagship character, you know, for, for want of a better term. And I think to see, the him, to see him taking over amazing Spider-Man to me, I, it wasn't, it wasn't who I wanted to, to be running. No. I'm going to be optimistic about it because I'm hoping that it's the kind of superior foes version of Nick Spence that we see rather than the, you know, antagonizing on Twitter and, and secret empire kind of Nick Spencer. But, you know, at the same time, again, I'm optimistic. I've, I've, I've read amazing Spider-Man for years and years and years. So I can't see stopping now, but at the same time, yeah. I'm interested to see, um i'm interested to see what he does with it but um but yeah so um moving on a little bit then we've got um a few other bits of news the yep. other one was um the idea that dc are bringing out these essential graphic novels genius yeah so we mentioned earlier about Love the idea that. of people seeing something in a different media or watching one of the movies or whatever and coming into a comic shop and going i want more of that uh dc have latched onto that idea and gone yeah here you go um so they're producing these large um large yeah like 30 30 books 300 pages about between 10 and 12 issues per graphic novel um i assume they're going to be kind of trade paperback rather than hardcover to make it a bit more affordable for people like they're gonna i can almost see the trade paperback style they do yeah if they're doing it for 30 bucks it'll still probably be a decent quality paper I can almost say they'll probably be similar to like Marvel's Epic Collections. I imagine so. That's that was my first thought as well. Yeah, um, that's what I'm thinking. And it and it's good. And it it's it's definitely it's definitely needed um, this kind of thing because they're focusing the first few that they've announced really or anyway are the um, the Batman Court of Owls saga, which is the first good, good um, the first twelve issues of Snyder and Capullo's run. Um, so user friendly, yeah, really, it's, really open. Court of Owls has covered; it has been covered in Gotham in the Gotham TV series. Exactly. Um, so that's the link. And, yeah, brilliant. Um, and the Flash, the Flash, um, the uh, Manipul Flash, which is which is by golly a very pretty freaking run. Yeah, I it mean, is, yeah, that's New Fifty Two as well, isn't it? Manipul does a really small job writing it, mm-hmm. but it's a gorgeous run just to look at it's an appealing I mean, looking book isn't it goodness and again it that's pretty and that's pretty accessible for fans of the tv show and stuff now the interesting one is dark side war yeah that it, it's sort of like the culmination of a lot of different storylines yeah i think and, it will i i haven't i've not read it um i only read it in single issues when it was part of the justice league run so i'll be interested yeah. to see what it reads like as a single kind of um a single story standing on its own um but i mean it, it again it makes sense because it's the justice league and dark sides in it and dark sides are mentioned like in the justice league movie um and, and the, you know there's a lot yeah. of you know going around and considering that what we got today in the gut yeah. matt i <laughs> i swear to you when that that new gods that ava DiVernay doing new gods yeah Yeah. holy i mean crap that is cool i I have not seen a wrinkle in time yet now i've not no i've not seen it i've not seen it i've not seen it yet i'm so we're we're both in the same boat here but it's 
like I've read Wrinkle in Time. I read the book like when I was in my early teens. I was like, I think it was like 13, okay. 12, 13 when I read mm-hmm. it and really good book. And I, and I really want to see the movie because I really, I liked the book as a kid. So I'm like, Oh cool. I really do want to see it. But I, so, but the trailer that I, the trailer that I've seen of that book, I went, Oh my Lord, this thing's going to be gorgeous. And the thing is, when you look at, when you hear about her taking over doing new gods, whoa, because yeah, yeah. the lady has visual style. She yeah. got visual style out the freaking wazoo so that she's doing, so she's doing new gods. It's like, yeah, yeah. like round of applause, that's, EC, yeah. you guys did good. Like, and I think that's that's really good. It's really strong. It's really it's a good, it's a strong positive message about where they see their movies going. Not only in the sense that I'd love to see more Kirby influenced kind of movies out there, like New Gods and like and Fourth World stuff out there, but the fact that they're take they're learning the lessons basically and going right. Well, actually, you know, we don't need to put another white guy in charge of a movie. Um, Which I was glad to hear. I was very glad to see that, that they would cite it. Okay. But I also... I also don't think this was kind of a diversity casting. I think it was the right person for the job. They they found a director that they that is a competent director that that has, as you say, has got a great visual style. And um, you know, awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, it's very positive. It's good. It's positive. It's she's awesome. She's an awesome director, and you really can't ask for much more. And. And what's mm-hmm. really cool is that they're going and what's kind of cool is they're letting her loose of another big budget movie, which I think is really neat. Yeah, yeah. And then you got like and then you got like Wonder Woman 2 stuff ramping up with uh, Kristen Wiig playing um, the cheetah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know much about the character, but the cheetah is a fascinating character and I'm really curious to see how she handles it. But you see, and everyone was like, well, Kristen Wiig, uh, People are like, what? Huh? Why is she? And I'm like, like, I always say, before anyone disses any casting, always remember Heath Ledger. Yeah. Y'all need to be always remembering your reaction yeah. to Heath Ledger. I remember. Every, I remember back in the day when people were, I, I remember because I'll, I'll own it. I was one of those that was a little bit unsure of Heath Ledger when when he first got cast as Joker way back when. Yeah. I, I own it. I remember that casting. I, I remember Robert Downey Jr. thinking, is he really going to be playing Iron Man? And like he looked the part, but at the same time, what we knew of Robert Downey Jr. then and what we know of him now, or what you know, what his public persona was pre-2008 and what it is now are two very different things. And so, you know, the Robert Downey Jr. he thought was going into Iron Man was not the Robert Downey Jr. we got. Um, and so I remember those and I would always keep an open mind for things. It's like, um, after, after that, it's pretty much like, it's like y'all, I always say y'all better shut up your, yeah. your thoughts, man, because you don't want to be that person who starts going, well, I am like, I am not sure about this casting. I don't think this mm-hmm. casting will be good. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like Heath Ledger. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, suddenly I saw someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was that said it, but they were like, oh, you know, watch out because suddenly everyone will be a cheetah fan. And suddenly everyone will be a major, like, kind of uh, aficionado on the character of the cheetah. And it's just like, I don't even, I, don't, I mean, I've read, I've read some Wonder Woman comics. I haven't read as much as I, I should do. 
but I don't think I've ever read yeah. any Wonder Woman comics with Cheetah in. And so I'm just like, I don't know the character, so I'm keeping an open mind. You know, I've no, I've no idea, I've no expectations. But I mean, even if you've got like, even if you've read Cheetah comics before, you know, it's like, well, how how many people commented on Twitter saying that it's a terrible casting choice? Surely they they're not all massive Cheetah fans. You know what I mean? Uh, there's no way. So it just it makes me laugh. They they did it. They do it because it's like it's one of the things where it's like. Oh, all these people are going to be out there bagging on this. I want to be in. I want to be in the 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 group of people bagging on this. I want to be yeah, part. Yeah, I want yeah. to be part of that group. Oh boy, oh boy, I get to be part of a group. And then it's like, y'all, y'all going to look stupid. Y'all going to look stupid. Come, yeah. When Wonder Woman two hits and the first trailer hits, and you're like, damn it, I was wrong. Because Patty Jenkins, <laughs> like the way that Patty Jenkins handled Wonder Woman, is kind of is pretty dang amazing and yeah and her visuals and what she did with it and if they get Helen, alan heinberg back to do the script for the second one which because and i'm like oh that will be really cool because yeah yeah and they because they got they got gal back and they so pretty much just one of those yeah they've got i mean that it's like really interesting because what's what's very fascinating to me is the way that DCU's being set up now is it's spearheaded by in a big way by like Wonder Woman and and then you have Aquaman coming up and the still weird way they're handling the Flash like are they doing Flashpoint are they not doing Flashpoint what are they going to do with this thing back and forth back and forth and then they got the nuke but then they got but then when they hear Flashpoint, they're going to do some weird DCE reboot. And then suddenly it's like, but wait, they're doing new gods. So it's like, I guess we're not mm. doing a reboot now, are we? No, I guess we aren't because no idea. they would no not idea. be doing new gods unless they're, they've got their bigger plan in store because, because it's interesting to me because I, I saw a thing on a, cause I was like ta- looking around today and I saw like, I was, I was at a, like, like I was at a grocery store today and they have like a little display of Justice League stuff mm. and Justice League, like the movie. And, and it's always interesting to me that that movie in a better, in a perfect world, that movie should have made a billion dollars. That movie should have been like, should have been DC Avengers near as big or it should have been near as big or as big as the Avengers in a perfect world. But that that movie is as I know you I know you kind of were hit or miss on it, but I I did yeah, like yeah. it. But but I always say that that movie came together as like as well as it did. It's a minor miracle that is not that is not like completely unwatchable. And for some people, now the people who really hate it, I get it. And by the way, y'all out there saying release the dang Snyder cut? Could you please stop it? You're not getting Snyder cut. There is no Snyder cut. Yeah. If I see that hashtag one more time, I'm just I, I like, no, no, you're not going to get it. It, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't exist. Hey, I'm sorry, and Matt, I, I'm sorry. You're, I feel like you're getting like the rant of a man who's just recovering <laughs> from. You're getting a, a very ranty test tonight. If you guys are going to be yelling in the comment section below, Wes has been really ranty tonight. It's like I, I get. I, I feel like I get a buy because I have been sick for like, uh, like for like two weeks. So bluntly, but y'all, y'all, I, I, I'm just kind of bent. And there's like all the stuff I've been reading and like every built up random thing I've been <laughs> wanting to rant about. 
it's like, but it's like, but like release, but yeah, it's like, it's just like when I hear release the yeah, Snyder it's cut, stuffed. it's like, yeah, stop it's it. Stuffed. And it's like, and it's like, because pretty much like when, if you've read the article about Justice League as to what, what like the higher ups were wanting and what it's like, it's like one of those things where you go, Joss and it's like Joss had to take over for Zack Snyder and Joss had to basically help cobble together the last bit of the movie, reshoots, what have you, and poor Henry Cavill having to have his mustache yeah, yeah. be plotted out in post. So one of the funniest things. It's so obvious. That's the comical part of it. It's so yeah. freaking obvious but what I mean, they did. And then and then yeah. it's a minor miracle. It's a miracle that it did not basically and the fact fall that it's apart still on site. Like part of one of the one of the big movies and part of their kind of line moving forward. You know, it's still mainstream success. It's still out there. It's still got this kind of big, you know, big still image out there. You know, and I think, um, and I think that's part of the reason why it's it's one of these essential kind of. Uh, graphic novels that DC are doing, you know that, and the uh, and the uh, Corvals yeah. turning into Gotham and Flash turning into the TV show. It's smart, you know, to have these smart, evergreen titles. You know, it's very smart, and it also goes to show you that because now because that goes to show you if this works really well, then you'll suddenly start seeing a line of like a bigger line for Green Arrow. You'll see mm. a bigger line for like all the rest of the different shows out there, and yeah. I'm pretty excited. I mean, I'm pretty excited for it. And I, it's very interesting to me to see how, because you can kind of tell right now, like DC, like, like their TV line, their, the stuff they do on TV, their TV stuff is solid. Like their TV stuff is about solid. I mean, yeah. for what they need it to be, it is solid. It is strong. It is pretty much set in stone. What they like, they got, they got Gotham, they got Lucifer, they've got their CW shows rocking and rolling. They've got they've got all their other different pro- they got their DC streaming service on the way, so yeah. Yeah. They're good. Like, I mean, their movies are sort of like the one thing they're having to tweak with, but from what the announcements they're making, yeah, they're moving in the they're moving in the right direction, I think. I think it's taken them a time, taken them a while to get the the ship righted, but now that it's actually moving in the right direction, I think they're hopefully on the up and up. But I mean, there's going to be loads of fans from films and and TV shows, and I think like comic shops do tend to say they don't get a lot of kind of um, they don't get a lot of people. You know, the actual translation of of TV viewers into comic shop re- comic shop attendees yeah. isn't huge. But I mean, part of that might be the culture and part of it might be the fact that the, those that do go in don't have anything, you know, aren't, aren't don't immediately have anything available to them. And so DC is looking at that and DC are, are saying, right, well, actually, you know, comic shop owners, if someone comes in, you've got this to give them. Um, and you've now got this new, these new essential lines to, to be able to give to, to fans, um, and hopefully you can just put them on display and always have them available. And there's no reason that these are going to just stay in comic shops either. They're perfect books for bookshops because they're standalone. They're not like volume one of seven or volume you know five of nine. It, it, they're, they're standalone books that are part of a wider universe and can open a door 
um, but they can stand on their own as well. And so they could easily go in bookshops. They could easily go in, you know, bloody Target or Walmart or wherever, just so that people can get their hands on them. Target, Walmart. Heck, I, I remember when um, Wonder Woman was hitting and I saw um, this in a Costco. Yeah. And I saw like a collection of like different books in a Costco and I went, wow. Yeah. That's cool. And that's so it. these are. Yeah, but like DC's always, I think DC's always done well. Like they've always done better than Marvel has when it comes to evergreen books because, you know, you can list off your hand like DC have had like Dark Knight Returns, they've had Batman Year One, they've had The Killing Joke, they've had even things like Superman Red Sun and Kingdom Come and stuff like that. They've had a lot of kind of standalone titles that like translate. Watchmen. Oh well, yeah, look, yeah, Watchmen didn't even didn't even mention that. Like in a lot of the Vertigo Watchmen, titles, I- V for Vendetta, things like that, things that can have sold in bookshops a lot more prominently than what Marvel have had. Because off the top of my head, I can only really think of Marvels. Maybe like Marvels is something. Um, some of the events like uh, Civil War, I imagine, was the biggest trade that they sold as an independent story. But even that, like, doesn't it doesn't read perfectly on its own because Civil War issues one to seven. Like a lot of people go into that going, "Oh, this is the story where Captain America dies," and it's like, "Well, no, he doesn't die in that. He dies in Captain America twenty-five. So it's like, "Well, actually, that Civil War trade isn't going to get you everything you need. Isn't going to be the full story." Um, and the last one that annoyed me with with Marvel was Spider Verse because that was a perfect standalone story, and I thought that's going to be a great evergreen trade for Marvel. They could always have that out. Anyone that's a Spider Man mm-hmm. fan could be pointed and go, "Here you go. This is a great Spider Man story." Yes, all the a lot of these characters have been seen before, but you know they haven't. You know, and so I bought the omnibus, the the oversized omnibus, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be brilliant." But all the stories were like out of order. Like they had, um, they had Spider Verse issues one to five, and then after that they had all the tie-in issues. But the tie-in issues like fit into the story really well. Like it's basically like a twelve, thirteen, fourteen part story that reads as one and so when you get to the end of the omnibus you like there's a part where like spider-man 2099 is going right i've got what we need let's get back into the fight and it's like to be continued but it's to be continued like 70 pages earlier so you have to kind of flip back and then read the ending again so it's it's so it was so disappointing like i took it back i was just like i'm not i'm not going to keep it you know because it's pounds um and, and so, like, it, it's just, again, I love the fact that DC are doing this. They've got these essential books, but DC aren't the company that need to be doing this. I think it's Marvel, really. And they're doing it well with the Epic collections. They're quite good. But, again, I feel like, I feel like they're not cohesive stories, are they? they they're, they're kind of marketed as such, like, you know, Daredevil, Typhoid's Kiss or whatever. But it is just a collection of Anacenti's issues. It's not, like, it's not one full, like, evergreen graphic novel you know it is just a series of issues collected yeah that's the weird thing because it's like they they're collecting stories and collecting like the full story arcs but it's still sort of like those yeah that stuff is rough because marvel marvel does need more of their ever they need more evergreen stuff that people can go yeah here's this you should need that or here there's this you should get that and and like mm. dc i can just go well da, 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 da. i mean it's like like Superman, it's like, yeah, pick your pick whatever you want because I can pretty much rifle off like rifle off a 
Superman stuff all day long. If you like Superman for all seasons, easy. I can, I can give yeah. you Justice League. It's like, do you want like? Because even like most of Grant, like, just as the year. Do you one. want Justice League year one? Do you want? Do you want JLA year one? Do you want um? Just I mean, it's like there's so many. Just I mean, heck, even I mean, even yeah. some like stuff you go. Yeah, I can even just kind of rifle off stuff left and right. I mean, it's so much easier. I mean, heck, even like the like anything about like even like the rebirth stuff. I mean, like rebirth volume one. I mean, I can just go here, go read rebirth volume one. You pretty much get a pretty good idea of what Batman's about and what's going on. And yeah. you'll, and then it's like, and then it's like pretty much like most of those books are pretty much like here, here you go. Have fun. And like what I what I love about Marvel is the fact that they they do they plant the seeds for stories like years in advance. Yeah. So like especially over the last ten years or so, they've had long running stories that kind of become one huge meta narrative. Like the Brian Bendis's Avengers stuff, you know, started in Avengers Disassembled, went all the way through Civil War, Secret Invasion, House of M, through to Siege and like Dark Reign and all that stuff. But you can't give someone that book. You know, you can't give them a, that book and go, here you go, read this. You know, you can give them all the different volumes and they can go and sift the way through it and they will have a great time. And similar with Jonathan Hitman's Avengers. I was just about you to know, say that too. Yeah, like Secret Wars is a great story, but you can't just give them Secret Wars. They have to have the lead up to it as well. Well, they have to have also the interesting thing about about Hickman is Hickman's Avengers run begins in Fantastic Four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, wait, it begins Fantastic Four? Yeah, because Hickman's meta run is Fantastic Four. Then you get then you get like Avengers and then you get and then you get like avengers and then just a little bit before that you get like secret warriors in that mix somewhere because he co-wrote that with bendis and yeah yeah and he's got his shield story that he did with dustin story. weaver that's only just finishing up now which i can't wait to see finished um i think i'm definitely going to buy the the other uh, hardcover of that with oh, that Lord, yeah that thing's gonna be beautiful whole yeah dustin weaver so- is the man dustin is brilliant yeah um, anyway, that's um, there's one more piece of news uh, that we've got to cover, which is that DC are doing a new wave of Hanna Barbera crossovers. That oh, I, I, that thing, <laughs> You're very I, I got very excited by that because that is the weirdest thing. I I thought that I never. It's kind of like one of the things where I thought, okay, I I can't believe they're doing this, but I really think it's cool that they're doing this sort of bonkers, uh, like because it's like you got yeah. Like I mean, as I looked at it here, it's like because it's a May, it's a it's a May thirtieth fifth week event, so it's sort of like one of the, so what's really cool about it is so you got like Aquaman Jabberjaw special, okay, yeah, which is Dan Abnett writing Dan Abnett writing Aquaman and Jabberjaw together with Paul Pelletier and Andrew Hesse, mm-hmm. and then you've got a second bonus short story with Jeff Parker and Scott Collins with Captain Caveman the Spectre and Shazam, and ever heard of any of you guys out there any of y'all out there ever heard of captain caveman your brain is probably already is exploding at the idea i'm really looking forward to that how world are they going to put captain caveman with the specter and shazam and you're like <laughs> oh y'all are going to be in for a ride and yeah then you've got like and then the kind of the craziest thing is uh like another crazy story is like the black lightning hong kong fooey special which is I, I, like i i never i mean Brian Hill, Dennis Cowan, and Bill Sinkevich is are doing a like 
kind of crazy like martial arts story with black lightning in hong kong furia yeah <laughs> that's a strange one dennis oh, dennis cowan it's it's gonna be uh inking uh bill sinkovich drawing hong kong furry it's amazing yeah, that's it. Yeah, Brian Hill, so Dennis Cowan. Like, it's going to be inking uh, Dennis Cowan, but still, it's really cool. I mean, oh, you yeah. got like Jeff Parker and Scott Collins doing a pre-Demon Jason Blood teaming up with the Spirit of 76, the Funky Phantom. Like, what is that about? Have you have you ever watched the Funky Phantom? No, I've not, actually. I'm going to look at Oh, my. Matt, um, if you get the chance, go hunt down some clips of YouTube of the Funky Phantom. <laughs> I, I I await your brain going, Wes, what the hell did you just show me? And it's like, because it, it used to air on Cartoon Network here all the time. So it was one of the shows where you... Right, know, okay. So it's like, like it's funny, like I can wait for anyone. It, and by the way, if you're unfamiliar with Captain Caveman, um, go go hunt the YouTube clips. You're probably going to go... Oh, Captain but, Caveman is brilliant. I love Captain Caveman. I love Captain Caveman. So I'm just like, I that's the one I'm kind of. But then, I, but the Funky Phantom, I can't wait for people to go. How in the world is Jeff Parker and Scott Collins going to make the Funky Phantom and Jason Blood team together? But it makes going. Now this is the funniest. It's this is going to be the weirdest one. I can't. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but it's delightfully weird. Of of um them doing of them doing the um. The, of Scott Lobdell and Brett Booth and Norm Rapman doing a Flash and Speed Buggy special. Matt, do you know Speed Buggy? Again, I don't know Speed Buggy. Um, it looks like, oh yeah, it's just I'm just he's looking up on YouTube at the moment. He's, yeah, he's it's just a big, he's a big car. Isn't he? He's a and big it looks like he's been driven by uh, Shaggy from Scooby Doo, but I don't think it is. I think it's, it's just it's it's really in the in the in the original cartoon. It's um. Speed buggy was basically just this talking car that that it's just like I I can't believe they're doing speed buggy. I mean, it makes perfect sense that they're doing uh, a speed bug speed buggy with the Flash and this the weird. I'm like, I mean, it's like speed buggy in the Speed Force. I mean, Matt, go I, another thing you're gonna be probably hunting down, and I your brain's just gonna be like, what's it's like it, it's like guys, it was the seventies and eighties of Hanna Barbera. Were, it, it was a weird time, man. These are some Hanna Barbera deep cuts, aren't they? These ones. These, it, it, this is the, like the speed buggy is the speed buggy is a deep cut. Hong Kong Fui is relative. It, the Funky Phantom's really a deep cut. Um, the but and it's like now the neatest, now really neat one is um, the Super Suns Dynamite special, which was already hinted by um, by uh, Peter J. Tomasi talking, showing. A scene with the Super Suns meeting uh, Dynamite yeah, and Blue yeah. Falcon. And have you ever seen a? Uh, have you ever seen Dynamite? Um, he looks familiar. I'm just again. I'm looking around on Google now, and he does look more familiar. It looks just like a kind of Scooby Doo superhero. Basically, yeah. That that's yeah. that's Dynamite. It's a Scooby Doo style superhero. They done. They did like a crossover story at one point where they had Scooby Doo. They had the Scooby the Scooby Gang meet um meet the uh, Blue Falcon and Dynamite. And Scooby Doo, yeah, that's probably where I've seen him. Yeah, because I I watched Scooby Doo religiously when I was a kid, so I, I imagine that's probably where I saw yep. him. It's I I grew up like a lot of stuff. It's stuff like I kind of weirdly grew up because they used to play it on a like a lot of stuff used to play on USA Cartoon Express, and then when Cartoon Network when Cartoon Network got established, they got all the Hanna Barbera stuff, and because Turner bought Hanna Barbera, 
and then Hanna Barbera's all the sad stuff ended up on Cartoon Network. So I sort of got this like like giant deluge of like really old weird Hanna Barbera in the midst of like all the other stuff on Cartoon Network at the time. Because I was just like absolutely fascinated by weird like these like seventies like sixties like space ghost stuff and then like Herculoids and all this and then he's like Dynamite and like Blue Falcon and then Buggy and all this stuff that it's like it's like one of the things where you go. This is so weird. I mean, and I can't wait to see how the Super Suns work with Dynamut Blue Falcon because Dynamut's actually more familiar than Blue Falcon. That's the funniest part because people know Blue Falcon because <laughs> I think they had Blue Falcon appear in a Harvey Birdman episode, if I remember correctly. That sounds about right Harvey, as well. Yeah, I think they did have that, and and I love. I can't wait to see how Peter J. Tomasi with uh, Fernando Pissarro and Claire Albert. Do uh do the story because I can't wait to see how this works because like this is the one that'll probably make be the most I guess you see the most coherent story because it's like the it's like the one that it's not it's like it's like it makes perfect sense for the for like the super suns meeting up with Dynamite and Blue Falcon yeah it's perfect sense it's gonna be pretty delightful so but the rest of the story is sort of like like the Black Knight Hong Kong Fui is gonna be insane Aquaman yeah. Jabberjaw. I, I feel like this is just Dan Abnett, his chance to go really bonkers weird. And because he hasn't gotten a chance to go really bonkers weird in a while. So I think he's thinking, so I get to write a story about a talking shark who has, a, <laughs> if they, if they somehow, if they somehow give Jabberjaw a ban by the end of the issue, Matt, have you ever watched Jabberjaw? I have watched Jabberjaw. Yeah. I remember, I remember, I don't remember much about him, but I do remember watching him. Jabberjaw had a band. Um, if y'all aren't familiar with Jabberjaw, um, your brain's probably going to go liquid. Your <laughs> man, but it just it's just I think I've got a lot of I've got a lot of time for him purely because like about if you don't if you just show me these like three years ago, I'd have just kind of breezed past it and just gone, oh yeah, not for me. But um, what with like the Flintstones being really good. Um, by Mark Russell, like yeah. the new Snagglepuss series being like surprisingly good. Um, and the DC Warner Brothers crossovers that they did last year with oh like Batman Alma Floods, which was amazing. Um, I've got a lot of time for this. I think uh, I think these could be very good. And they did do Hanna-Barbera crossovers before, haven't they? Before they did, they did, they did the, the, the uh, Suicide Squad Banana Splits. They did, that was it, yeah. They did Suicide Squad Banana Splits. They did Booster Gold Flintstones. They did they oh god they did it they did um um oh god they did that's when the jet that the jetson series came about in one of those yeah they've got the jetson series they've got they've got scooby apocalypse as well which is a standalone series they've got the um is it future force or um Um, future quest yeah yeah and and what they did was instead of like the future quest line got they canceled future quest ended but now they're doing like a hanna-barbera like future quest presents sort of story now and they're doing like kind of like an anthology sort of series with it, and then they did. So the the deep, but the Hanna Barbera series, the Hanna Barbera DC crossover thing did so well last year. So I can't. I really hope they do another one with Warner Brothers if this goes over really well because I. Yeah, was, I'm hoping this will be like a one once a I year kind of thing because the, like, the, they keep this up every like once a year doing this. This is the, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really cool fifth week event because every single year it's like. Like fifth week is like, what do you want to do with it? Let's do something really weird. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Oh, well, good. I think they should do. Did you ever read the Banana Split Suicide Squad crossover? 
I didn't read any of those ones. Now I want to go back and dig them out though, so that I can actually. Uh, weirdest story. I mean, I I'm so strange. That was the weirdest story that should not have worked as well as it did. But I just like, but I was like, what the hell is this weirdness? But I think that was the story yeah. that had the snagpuss. Uh, I think that was. It. I think it was the one that had the snag oh, yeah. story. The really cool. back up. Yeah, yeah. And, that sounds. And perfect. that was, but yeah, that was a really cool like. But yeah, this thing, like, that's when I saw the Hanna-Barbera story announced. I went, oh, yeah, we're, we're getting into that. Because I, yeah. like, I can't believe they're doing, like, a really weird, uh, like, Black Lightning Hong Kong fooey. I can't, I can't wait for some of the Google searches people are going to be going on for, like, some people are going. <laughs> to try and find out who these characters are. Yeah, I agree. There's probably a lot of people already being going, what the hell is a yeah, and, then, me. and then it's like Jabberjaw, like you're gonna be like people are gonna remember like Dynamite Black, Blue Falcon, Hong Kong Fu is gonna be one might send a people to Google, but Funky Phantom, I can already see a ton of people going, hmm. What the hell is Funky Phantom? And Captain So yeah, it's Crazy. this is gonna be a fun fifth week. <laughs> I'm pretty excited by it. It's gonna be good. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I think that will uh, that will do our show then. I think we've um, we've pulled it together. I mean, a little peek behind the curtain. We did have a special guest lined up for this episode, but um, unfortunately, technical difficulties, the dreaded tef- technical difficulties. Uh, overdrive. Yeah, it went into overdrive last night. So we've had to um, rearrange that. That'll be for a future episode, so watch this space. Um, but um, but I've really enjoyed I always enjoy catching up with you, Wes. I always enjoy uh, yeah. catching up on the news and finding out what's been going on and all that stuff. So we'll have to make sure we... Uh, we want these in every so often anyway regardless of uh, regardless of guests and technical difficulties but um but yeah so that'll do it for the show um you can um reach out to me on twitter at matt loon m-a-t-t-l-u-n-e and you can reach out to the show at that's the issue um you can also find um the show on multiversitycomics.com um, so you can find the uh, That's the Issue podcast on there. You can listen to some of our previous episodes. And um, we've also got uh, other podcasts on there, such as the DC3 cast. We've got Robots from Tomorrow. We've got uh, Comic Syllabus. Um, so check out any and all of those shows as well and find out where you can uh, listen to some awesome comics uh, news and reviews all over multiversitycomics.com as well um, and then you can find us wherever you get your podcasts so apple podcasts stitcher podbean google um or wherever uh, wherever good podcasts are given away for free um what about you wes where can they find you on the internet you can find me at on at geeku landed and also find me on com, and also you can find myself on graphic policy as well and i will be getting back in the full strength pretty soon here but Y'all, I've been, like I said, this has been sort of like me. I always feel like the episodes when I come back after like I've either been sick or something, I sort of like, it takes me like a little bit, like, I sort of like, I start info dumping. So apologies, like, info dumped a little bit, but it's sort of like, <laughs> I, I feel like it's like one of those, whoa, I, I have been. So, and also, and also so apologies for me sounding as congested as sin right now, but I promise hopefully by next episode, I will sound less congested as sin unless it's just allergies. And then that's all not much I can do there, but I think you did well. I think you did well. I think maybe we, it was, uh, it was a good thing that we had this episode. So you could uh, have your info dump and you could still you know, function as a, as an episode. We, uh, we did well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, that's it for us then. Um, if you uh, if you want to get in touch with the show as well, you can reach out to us via email, which is uh, that's the issue podcast at gmail.com. Um, but until next time, we'll see you in two weeks uh, with another special guest. And uh, we'll see you then. Until then, goodbye. Bye for now.